So if I, we go back to this point of like for Vernicabil, how important it is to convert more of our single channel customer and omni-channel customer. The reason is that it started with that analysis where we, we figure out that when we look at their LTV, those omni-customer are three times more valuable than single channel customers. That's Max, the head of data at Veronica Beard, an American contemporary fashion brand who has been a complete trailblazer in the D2C space, and they're now expanding massively into the brick and mortar. It all started with the Dicky jacket. If you don't know what this is about, go ask your girlfriend, go ask one of the ladies, go check out the Dicky jacket. But it all started there with these two sisters, and they built this brand, and it's been crazy fast growth. Now, Max's focus is on streamlining his stack to centralize his data, and he's doing a bunch of powerful ETL and reverse ETL stuff that basically moves his data up and down through his verticalized stack. He can control advertising audiences from the data that's stored in his warehouse, and he's creating a personalized omnichannel experience with all of this powerful data. And that's really helping propel the whole Veronica Beard brand and get them across all kinds of different countries. Now, in this episode, he's going to walk us through the stack that he's using and how he's using their master data plan to extract maximum value from all their customer usage behavior, the purchasing habits, and as well as predictions, and as well as the vendors uh, that they work with. So they have like third-party stores that they get data from as well. And they use all of that to build these crazy insights and cohorts, which is really driving the business forward. My name is Dan. I'm the CEO of the leading tech stack agency, Magal. Each week, I get to speak with executives to find out the strategies and tools they're using to drive revenue and drive their businesses forward. Let's get into my conversation, though, with Max. So you work at Veronica Beard, but I guess, like, help me better understand what is Veronica Beard? Like, I'm coming in this kind of ignorant. Veronica Beard, we are a high-end fashion brand for women. It's a company that's been around for now over 13 years old. So we, we're not this like new latest D2C brand, but growing like really high growth, the company. And, and what's interesting is that we have three different sales channels. So initially the company started with a wholesale business. So for the first seven years, we had no direct channel. And I would say for the past now six years, we started expanding our own, what we call the direct to consumer channel. So we have our physical store. We currently have 25 or 26. Uh, we keep expanding. Uh, we just opened our first store in Canada, in Toronto. Congrats. Yeah, thanks. Uh, that's super exciting. Last year, we opened our first international store in London. So yeah, we, we're starting expanding more internationally. And the third channel, which is the fastest growing, obviously, is the Ecom one also. Now, this might be a really stupid question, but Veronica Beard's a real person, I assume. Yeah, so that's a really fun fact and kind of interesting story. Veronica Beard are actually two Veronicas, our founders. Yeah, we call them the Veronicas, but um, they are sisters-in-law. So they are both married to a Beard brother and both are, their first name are Veronica. So it's a very fun story, but they're amazing. Yeah, that's super cool. That's super awesome. So tell me a little bit more, like, what do you do at Veronica Beard? Like, what's your job? I mean, my job has evolved, obviously, as like being the first data hire initially. You know, it was very much about like implementing the first tools. I see it as a chance to be very frank is that uh, I could start from scratch. And I feel like from experience, when you need to migrate to a new, modernize your data stack, it's actually usually more pain point than actually starting from scratch. When I started, I implemented Segment, then quickly after like setting up our cloud data warehouse, 
uh, implementing DBT for like data transformation. And yeah, started building on top of that and building all the like data layer and business logic into our business to mainly like centralize the our reporting capacity among the three sales channels that I mentioned. And then I would say now my, my role has evolved because I mean, I've been growing the data team. So now we are like a team of four internally. So obviously I'm, I'm, I would say for the past few months, I'm less hands-on and more like starting managing and working with the business stakeholders and the leadership to work on like support them with like their, their business requirements. But yeah, very, very exciting journey for me. One, it's super awesome to hear that like you've made that journey. I mean, to go from being in growth marketing to being very wise to go into a coding boot camp to become more technical. I think that's like the greatest thing. I did not go to a coding boot camp, but I, I accidentally was the first employee at a company called Code School. And because of that, it became extremely technical because I had to market to developers so they could learn how to code on our platform. And because of that, I had to learn how to market to developers, but I also had to learn like about what all this stuff meant. And it was a absolute game changer in my career and life. I was pretty technical before that. I could write like HTML and CSS, but I didn't understand like how a server worked and what what MVC was and all this stuff. So like either way, superpower to you to go do that. That's a super smart move in your career. So with your current role, you've been able to build from scratch over the past couple of years and you've built the modern data stack. And it sounds like you've kind of built the right foundation on the company. And let's dig into that in a little bit. But I guess like my first curiosity is like, what are the company's goals? We have obviously as any company, a couple of goals on the most higher level. You know, our goal is to continue sustaining our uh, high growth. I'm feeling pretty grateful to work for a company that is like high growth, profitable, like double digit year over year since I joined for each part of our, our business. Obviously, we don't want to stop here. I think we're like, you know, starting getting good brand awareness in the US, but still a lot of opportunities to grow. But even international, we're just scratching the surface for our international business. So starting opening store is, is very exciting, uh, expanding the e-commerce business also internationally. So that's one of the, obviously, the first objective. The, the second one that we have as a company is continuing elevating the brand. So the brand marketing is critical, especially when you're in the like more luxury and high-end fashion the power of the brand is tremendous. So uh, constantly elevating the brand is, is another key objective. And I would say the third one is, is around transforming as many of our like single channel customer in becoming omni-channel customer. That's part of the analysis we've done with our like data stack and, and working with the CRM team. Omnichannel marketing is pretty cool. It's all about providing a unified customer experience across different platforms and channels. But let's face it, there's many challenges you're going to come across. Take Veronica Beard for an example. They've got sales coming in from retail, wholesale, and online. Talk about a bunch of different diverse purchasing channels. The goal here, though, is to connect all the dots utilizing a centralized data warehouse. This means breaking down those internal silos and storing everything in one place which is something we see many clients struggle with from time to time here at McGaw. It's just not that easy. We'll dive deeper into this topic with Max in just a moment. Before we move on, it's important to note that omnichannel marketing is not the same as multi-channel marketing. Let's try and explain a little bit. And I did not say multi-level marketing, I said multi-channel marketing. Let's make sure that I didn't get that confused. Most companies can't even grasp the technical scale or ability it takes to become truly omni-channel. And I'm willing to bet 75 of the people out there saying they are omni-channel are really just running a multi-channel marketing strategy. 
But like, what's the difference? Plytics sums it up nicely in one of their YouTube videos. As I mentioned before, multi-channel focuses on listing your products and entering new markets or channels, while omni-channel focuses on providing consumers with a great customer experience. So why wouldn't you be able to do both? You can start with a multi-channel approach where you analyze the different channels out there and decide which ones you want to expand to. And this isn't really a one-off thing. As you analyze your product's performance on these channels, you can always expand into more channels or even remove channels if they're not working out for your business, further developing your multi-channel strategy. Simultaneously, you can work on implementing an omni-channel strategy across these channels to provide a seamless experience on as many of those channels as possible. It's important to remember that going multi-channel doesn't necessarily mean expanding into all channels. The same way that going omni-channel doesn't necessarily mean you'll need to fully integrate and standardize everything across the board. You can get that link for the video in the show notes. It's much longer than what I showed. To try to be simple and cut to the chase, omni-channel marketing is where you're able to track one user across multiple channels, in cases online and off, and then tie all of that back to the user's identity. In many cases, you have an identity graph and segment, you're using LiveRamp for connecting your advertising dots, and you have a clean data room, maybe with some of your partners and third-party vendors. And you're able to tie all that activity together to create a truly personalized experience for that user. And for truly omni-channel companies, they're usually having the customer buying across multiple channels compared to just a D2C site. Their customers may be buying in retail, maybe buying on their site, or even at a third-party vendor, which makes all this so much more fun from a data perspective. And they're able to take that data and reactivate that data to then be able to create an extremely personalized experience online and sometimes even off. That's a lot, right? It's just not that easy. Let's get to Max and let's learn about how he's centralizing his data to drive his omnichannel strategy forward. So we talked about the company goals and things like that, which is super cool, right? How do these kind of goals of the company roll down to you and what you're trying to work on? I think what I like the most with working in data is, is really about how cross-functional we are as a department and across department. Literally, like my, my week are based on talking with every single department within the company. So that starts with like the obviously e-com, CRM, retail team, wholesale team, merchandising team, finance team, and so on. So it's, it's very exciting. It gives me a good understanding of the retail industry in general and the impact of every department on the business. But yeah, one of the key objectives, as you, you mentioned for us, is really about the omni-channel piece. And in order to work on that omni-channel experience and helping them, um, our business around that, the first part was uh, centralizing our data. And that's how kind of the whole project of building our, our data infrastructure internally started. Is It was really, I would say, before I joined the company, the company was growing already. You know, you don't need the data team necessarily to grow a business. It's just you're here to support. But one of the limitations I've, I've noticed before I joined is that the company was, it was almost three companies within one company. So, you know, it was very siloed between the business. So there was the wholesale team, the retail team, and the e-com team. And because there wasn't any centralization of the data, it was really hard to interact between departments and, and talk the same language in a way. That's been kind of the first step in, in our journey, centralizing the data. What I mean by that is really just pulling data from each different system. What are some of the systems like these different teams use? Because I'm assuming there's an ERP system, right? Obviously. It's one of the, the key systems. I mean, as probably any business uh, of our size, like you have dozens of systems, but there are, I would say, three to four 
systems that have like 80% of, of the data we're pulling from. So it comes, the ERP, as you mentioned, obviously is a critical one. We're using a Xcenta, which is very tailored for like the retail industry. It's not very known and, and it's not the most modern, but um, it does a good job for us. Then we have our e-com system, which is Shopify. I have a lot of experience working with them. Uh, great system. So we're actually transitioning to a new POS system. It's called New Store, and it does also OMS system. So yeah, it's pretty interesting, very modern. So that's always something we like. Yeah. And then the, the fourth system is Skypad. Skypad is a wholesale aggregator, to make it short. But uh, it's just that wholesale is the trickiest data to work with because we have, as I mentioned, like hundreds of different wholesale partners that send data in different level of granularity, different shape, a lot of... It needs to be clean. And we work with that aggregator uh, called Skypad. Skypad cleans the data. Exactly. And so you get all these random flat files, random API calls, webhooks. Probably, somebody probably faxes you something knowing wholesale and you just shove it all in the Skypad. Exactly. You, you get it. So Skypad is doing a great job for us. You know, it's kind of thing no one likes to do. I mean, dealing with like, I've heard things kind of horrible. Apparently, there are some even wholesale partners that send their data in PDF format. So think about it. <laughs> yes. It's pretty bad. So I'm glad to have a partner like Skypad that cleaned the data for us. And then they just send us like the raw data clean that we load in our data warehouse. Through those four systems, we can centralize, get like one single view of our three sales channel business, like sales report. Where are you centralizing it? Like you've got to pull the data out of those tools, right? So I guess like Skypad sounds like, okay, it cleans it up, but you've got new stores, Shopify, Xsense. So it sounds like you've got to pull the data out and then centralize it somewhere. So I guess like, what's that pipeline? Yes. So our pipeline is depending on how modern the systems are. Uh, so for instance, Xenta, we have a SQL server and then we're connecting our SQL server to Fivetran that loads the data then in BigQuery. So Fivetran is a key player for us in our like data extraction. So they have also native integration with Shopify, etc. They don't have a native integration with new stores. So we work on our own pipeline for that. So we're on GCP. So our data warehouse is, is BigQuery. And we've been using PubSub uh, from GCP to extract and load the data from new store. And then we have also yeah, segment that is our customer data platform and also extract some uh, data and load them into BigQuery. So you're centralizing this data. You had mentioned you're using Segment, though, in that. I guess, like, is Segment only doing the... And just for the audience, Segment, the CDP, the customer data platform, is Segment doing the clickstream data? Or are you using kind of like their persona traits or reverse ETL? Are you on their... What are they? Cloud connectors? I can't remember what they call them now, but... Or is it just clickstream data? No, no, no. We we use the full suite of Segment Twilio. So they're doing the clickstream, like the... Changing a bit the name uh, recently, but I think it's still called Connection. Then we're using Personas. We're heavy users of, of their Personas. And then we started using the reverse TL, the new features as well for a few use cases. That's cool. And then you're centralizing all of this in BigQuery. And then I guess like, so going back to like the original goal, which is like converting the single channel customers, you're centralizing all this data, you're dumping it into BigQuery. And I guess what now? I mean, it's a, it's a good step, right? Once you have all the raw data loaded in your in your data warehouse, the fun can start. I would say so. That's where we I agree. We use uh, DBT for data transformation. I mean, I'm a huge huge fan of DBT. I think they've been. Um, I mean, there are always pros and cons with everything, but honestly, DBT is like a no brainer. It definitely changed the world of like data engineering. I guess the first big revolution might have been the cloud data warehouse, right? But then DBT comes after with like data transformation. They've done 
pretty amazing job. So yeah, we're heavy users of DBT. That's where we, I would say my team in the data engineering space, like they're spending most of their work, right? It's like building the business layer on top of the raw data. And so that's where talking back to our, one of our key objective of like the Omni experience, that's where we were doing all this uh, identity resolution piece with like the segment as well, centralizing everything in the data warehouse. And that's how you can know like how valuable is an Omni customer compared to an e-com or retail only. So the value of our, what we call the Omni customer, which are those customers who purchase both offline and online. So in our physical store and, and on, on e-com. It's huge. They are like a more than three times more valuable than our like e-com only customer. Off the top of my head, when I looked last time, but it was like 2.4x more higher value than the retail only customers. So there is a true value in, for our business in like uh, converting all our single channel customer and becoming omni-channel customers. You're not alone, right? So we work with a couple other companies like Bauer Hockey is a client of ours and a big part of their strategy is to go from wholesale to direct to consumer, have that omni-channel and better understand those customers. Because with wholesale, you can't see anything, right? Like you're basically flying by the seat of your pants and you're like, I think Nordstrom told me the right answer. So if you can get the first party and zero party data, you, you just have so much more power. So one, I think your strategy is on point and the company has the right goals. Yeah, we're doing all our data transformation in DBT and then we're using Sigma Computing, also big fan of Sigma Computing. It's our BI tool and that's the BI tool that um, all our business stakeholders are using and where we have our report built, like ad hoc analysis and, and so on. I'm curious, you know, I've heard of Sigma Computing before, but I've never really dug into them. Like I'm very used to hearing Tableau, Looker, Mode, things like that. But I guess like, what's the difference with Sigma over others? Like, why, What was the reason you chose that tool? Actually, I, I come from the, the Looker world. And I mean, I had my previous role, I had implementing Looker from scratch. So learning LookML, uh, I think Looker as a BI tool has done like an amazing job coming up with the LookML language, especially in a world where, you know, they were there before even the cloud data warehouse existed. There was no DBT at the time. So they had already this like semantic layer built through LookML. So I think uh, it's been quite a revolution in the BI world. And also I've been using Tableau, had some experience with Power BI as well. But then when I, I moved to Vernica Beard, so we had to start from scratch and I was just alone on my own initially. Like it was very, very nimble, right? And and I think when I, thinking of like the BI tools, I like to see them on the spectrum of like agility compared to robustness, right? And I think depending on the size of your company and, and the maturity of your stack, you might have different needs. But at the time at Vernica Beard, being very nimble, I needed a very agile tool. I didn't know about Sigma computing. I got on a call with them. By the end of the call, I was set up, up and running, connected to BigQuery, and I could already like get familiar with the tool, uh, play around with. And I got super impressed, actually, with their like, agility. As I said, there are always pros and cons with any tool. So what I find to be great for uh, Sigma computing might not be great for others. But I think one of the power of Sigma computing is that I like to see them as being this new breed of BI tools that actually have been created after the cloud data warehouse revolution. When you think about other tools, again, Looker, Tableau, they need to adapt the system to the cloud data warehouse. Well, actually, from day one, Sigma computing has been architectured and, and thought for the cloud data warehouse. And so it's pretty blazing fast, the query, uh, the computation at, at Sigma. And, and yeah, in general, it scales well. Also, what I, I would add, and probably the last one I would add on, on Sigma computing, but at Vernica Beard, we are like all my business stakeholders and 
as any retail business. Like they're very Excel power business. Sigma computing looks a bit like a power BI in this way where it, it really has this look and feel of Excel. So my business stakeholders love this aspect. As marketers, we're constantly focused on how our target customers engage with our brand and our offerings. We ask ourselves, is our website user-friendly? Does it guide people effectively to the place? Is the app intuitive? Is it enjoyable? Was the storefront attractive and did it get people inside? However, a common mistake is that we, in our own marketing department or in our data departments, we neglect the fact that we need to have a user-centric approach to people other than just our customers. When you build your stack and work with your teams, you need to worry about the tools you're buying for them and how they're going to be able to use it. Let's talk about business intelligence tools. They're a vital part of your stack. It handles all of your data analysis, your reporting, your performance tracking, and so on. There's a lot of people who use your business intelligence tool, whether you're in Tableau, Looker, or whatever else. It has to be straightforward though, and it should be intuitive. But is it ever? And are you actually able to build reports all on your own? Well, that's definitely something that you want to aim for, but most companies kind of overlook that. And you basically just get a dashboard and you get what you get. And that's exactly why Sigma Computing is such a great tool. Rather than complicating its interface, it prioritizes easy adoption, making it a valuable addition to almost any stack. And that's what's super cool about it, is that they've drawn on the visual inspiration of Excel, something that you and I are familiar with, something that we all know how to use. So right out of the gate, Sigma already has a similar feel. The key lesson here is while intricate tools with advanced features may appeal to nerds like myself or maybe your data engineer or one of your BI analysts, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably kind of nerdy and maybe you know how to use it. That being said, we have to make sure that we have tools that our downstream users can use as well. So when adding a tool to your stack, especially something with some complex functions like BI, you need to make sure how able is it going to be used by everybody else user adoption is critical. Now, you can definitely go to the McGaw website and check out our resources section. We have a great webinar from one of my team members, Scott Wilson, that talks all about how do you make it so that you have self-service analytics for your team. And it talks exactly about this. It'd be great for you to go check out. So Max thought about that a lot, which is really helpful. But let's get back into what else he had to say. I love our stack. I love the modern data stack. I think one of the beauty of the modern data stack is that you can scale a lot. And, you know, we're not like a billion dollar business, but we, we are like sizable business in size and still like we're super nimble, right? Like we're just a team of four supporting like eight, nine departments. So, and it's all thanks to the modern data stack, right? Because it's scaled well. You know, I don't need to think too much about the extraction. I have five trends. So if something fails, I get an alert when I wake up in the morning. The BigQuery scale well. I know there is like Snowflake, all this well, also are great tools. But for us, BigQuery works well. It's pretty cheap. So I think there is a lot around that. But at the end of the day, my business stakeholders, they, they don't care about our stack, right? I can talk about for hours <laughs> on, on like how we are on the modern data stack. They don't care. And, and I hear that and, and it makes sense. So obviously, we, we explain to them the beauty of the modern data stack. But at the end of the day, what matters for them is does their report look good? Does it have accurate data? Can I trust the data? I, I keep saying that to my team, but for me, data is all about trust. I like to see that as you have a 100% energy bar with your business stakeholders, right? And every time they find issues with the data, they lose a bit of this trust, right? And you constantly need to fight back and gain back the trust. I think the beauty of the modern data stack is that you can add so much and DBT all the tests as well, but also we're starting using data observability tools like Metaplane that actually 
use ML to like constantly monitor our data and, you know, being very proactive with any data discrepancy, any weird behaviors with our data is being flagged. That's amazing because that's really how we get the trust from our business stakeholders when it comes to the data. I love that analogy. It's like a hundred percent bar on your phone, right? Every time you lose trust that you lose a little bit. And I'll tell you this, if that uh, trust score goes below 50, chances are you're not going to have a job. So <laughs> I hate to say it, but it is, you're correct. we don't trust the data. There's a, there's an analytics person on the other end who potentially loses their job, which is sad, but it's true. You got to make it so the data can be trusted. It's a bummer in the industry. Okay, so we talked about this modern data stack. One, I love your stack. I mean, I use almost every tool that you mentioned, except for Sigma and Metaplane. Totally familiar with data observability. Though, I guess like, my question is, you know, so we talked about the goal is omni-channel marketing. You centralize all this stuff. How are you accomplishing the omni-channel marketing goal now that you have everything centralized? I love your question because I, I feel like for a long time, data was all about this like ELT, right? So, so you extract your data or before it was ETL, but it's the same. Like you extract your load and you transform your data and you make it available for your business stakeholders for their reportings. But I think now the, the beauty of this, all this new wave of like data operationalization or like making data actionable, but the whole like reverse ETL, if you see where I'm going, I think it's another layer of the data industry that is super exciting because it doesn't stop only at the reporting side, but actually you can really have actionable step and directly impact the customer experience. You know, it's not only, it doesn't stop at the reports and the business stakeholders, but really, okay, now that I know that, now that I learned that from my customer. So if I, we go back to this point of like for Vernica Bill, how important it is to convert more of our uh, single channel customer and omni-channel customer. The reason is that it started with that analysis where we, we figure out that when we look at the LTV, those omni-customer are three times more valuable than single channel customers. I would say before we would have stopped here and then it's on the other department to like figure out what they can do. But now with the reverse CTL, the data department has an impact on that. And to give you a concrete example, what we're doing is uh, with tool like segment. So we have this customer table in our data warehouse and we rank them by this cell. So we look at our top 10 this cell, top 20% this cell of our customer based on their net revenue LTV. And then we look at we can combine with their what we call the customer profile type, which is whether they're e-com only, whether they're retail, or whether they're omni-customer. Based on that, once you have this data available in, in your customer table, you can create audiences in segment based on, on those most what we call the most valuable customer for our brand. So you have this audience, depend the size, but let's say just making the numbers here, but you have a 50k audience of those most valuable customer then you can send that back into Facebook and you can create lookalike audience from those customers. So you basically just say to Facebook, look at my most valuable customer and I find other customers that look the same. And then you can start running a wellness campaign or like prospecting campaigns for those customers. It's very actionable and something I hold dear, I would say. Probably because I started my career in like growth marketing, I always had this interest on like how you can improve your customer experience, how you can directly impact the revenue, which sometimes is a bit blurry. It's always hard to measure the ROI when it comes to like, you know, you brought reporting to your business stakeholders. So yes, they're making better decisions. So technically, obviously you impact the revenue, but it's it's a bit harder to really measure that. But when you do like this reverse CTL concept, uh, you can actually have a concrete idea of the impact that you have on the business. 
Got to break in here because I'm super pumped about utilizing reverse ETL. For a while now, I've been trying to educate people about the amazing possibilities that come with reverse ETL. Historically, and possibly many of you listening to this and businesses in general have relied on multiple external platforms like a CRM or a marketing platform, hoping ultimately that these platforms would integrate together and avoid silos. Think Marketo integrates in with Salesforce or think Shopify integrates in with Klaviyo. These platforms connect together and they share data, which is super, super helpful. But there's a whole lot more than that when you really want to connect the dots. Now, what most of us do in the modern stacks are we're pulling the data out of those tools and we're putting it into our, our warehouses, right? When we're going to run reporting. So we've got a tool like Fivetran or Stitch and we download the data basically from Shopify or Salesforce or whatever it is. And then we throw it into our warehouse using an ETL tool. But that's where usually it stops. It just becomes reporting. And what this does is it creates an entirely new problem. Now I have all this data in my warehouse, which I've collected from a bunch of different sources. And like I said, historically, all I've done is used it for reporting. But recently, that's really changed. Enter the world of reverse ETL. As this concept has gained popularity, we've seen a bunch of new tools hit the market. Census is popular, High Touch is popular, Segment CDP even came out with their own reverse ETL tool. And while an ETL process, which I started with, is export, transform, and load, and that's not really new, dumping data into a warehouse, traditional ETL has been around for a while, the real game changer now is that we've centralized all this data in the warehouse in things like BigQuery and Snowflake. We're using dbt to transform that data and do all kinds of different information. Maybe you're using Python and creating predictions off of that data. And now that you have this reverse ETL tool, you can reactivate that data upstream in other marketing tools, whether that's advertising, Salesforce, you can put it in your marketing tools or marketing automation tools, but you're now able to activate that data, which is super, super cool. Now, this means highly customized and personalized experiences. If you want to learn more about this, go back to my episode with FanDuel. It's a few episodes back, but it was mind-exploding reverse ETL programs. Really, really helpful. Tons of cool prediction things that they're doing using NIME and Braze, Segment, and other things. So go check it out. Now, let's get back to Max. We want to talk about their other tools and hear how he's creating that omni-channel experience with reverse ETL. We're using Klaviyo as our um, email marketing. We're also using Attentive Mobile for like SMS marketing. I would say we are also exploring right now high touch for like the reverse ETL. So Segment has their own reverse ETL feature, but it's still like pretty beta. So they are missing some like integration. Yeah, pretty basic. Yeah, they're missing some integration that we're looking for. And high touch is like we're pretty impressed with the tool so far. And we've had a a few integration with them and, and you know, it, it works well. So we're pretty exciting about it. You're using high touch. You're checking out high touch now to kind of expand your abilities with reverse ETL. Yes, exactly. I think uh, it's really something where I want us to continue to grow and, and I get the whole like data team excited about it as well. So that's great. But it's really about, I, I think what I like is, again, is that we can support, I see use cases for every, pretty much every single department. So it starts with the retail world and, and we can talk about that as well, how our like data science team is also supporting like retail uh, when it comes to like churn modeling. But yeah, like reverse ETL can have an impact on retail, on e-com, on ops as well. There are like countless examples and use cases for us to explore. So yeah, pretty exciting. 
you know, you talked about this, you have to grow the company and you have to maintain profitability, right? So like high growth, you're focused on going international, which means big expansion plans. You're elevating the brand, uh, which is of course a hard thing to do. So there's a lot of brand campaigns out there. You've got to, that's like a, its own mission, which don't get me wrong. I think data definitely supports. And, you know, a big mission of the company was convert that single channel customer to omni-channel. And you've, you've done that through this centralizing the data, and now activating that data in just want to make sure like some badass ways. I'm curious, you're activating all this data and doing some really cool stuff, but I guess like, how are you making sure that it works when you're across all of these channels? Like, how do you, I mean, no ROAS, like how do you, this campaign was effective when like in half the world, like marketing attribution in your space is like licking your finger and putting it in the wind yeah. while you're inside a building. You're like, is the air conditioner on, right? Like, so I guess, how are you making this work? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I think anyone who, who listened to us will, will probably relate to that. But, you know, it's been a, a tough time since the iOS 14, right? For the digital marketing side of it. And I'm working closely with... Just want to say, fuck Apple. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> fuck Apple. Yeah, on the data side, I would say <laughs> it's, it's, it's not been fun. It's not been fun, especially since it's kind of interesting, I, I guess, where digital marketing, I feel like, it's always a half-half between like uh, a bit of art and a bit of science, right? And then I felt like back in the days before the Facebook of this world, it was probably more like art than science. It was really hard to measure the impact of any like marketing campaign. And then came this like performance marketing world with obviously the Facebook and like the Google ads and so on. And like it changes the world of marketing and, and being much more like analytical, which is kind of what I like when I started my journey in growth marketing. I felt like I would never work in marketing from what I learned at the university. <laughs> and then I started my, my, <laughs> my career in like being growth marketer. But then just because, you know, it was very analytical and, and I always obviously enjoy working in data. But what I'm meaning by that is that I felt that we moved from the time with, with Facebook, we, we moved to like a much more like science than art at some point when, you know, it was very like driven, like the ROAS, as you mentioned and stuff. But then with the iOS 14, I feel like we're now back into like the half-half, like all and science. And like, uh, it's been tough. And, and I think anyone, again, can relate to that. Sorry, it's been a tough time. But I always like to see that as, you know, a new challenge and how we can, as the data, like support our, our digital marketing team uh, with initiatives. And so right now what we're exploring, and I won't take much credit for that. It, it's really like Christy, our, our data scientist internally, who is like leading that project there. It's very exciting is uh, around the mixed media modeling, because especially when you're high-end fashion brand again, like the impact of awareness is critical, right? And we're seeing that when, as you mentioned, like uh, we're expanding internationally and we don't have the same awareness in, in those new countries than in the US. So we're seeing that we definitely don't have the same return on that spend in these new countries compared to the US. So you need to measure everything we're doing that is really like the earned media, for instance, it's really hard to measure in ROAS. It, it's very like top of the funnel. And mixed media modeling is, is a very interesting topic for us that, that we're exploring and, and we're using Robin. So Robin is an open source project from, Me from Meta. And we're also using GeoLift from uh, Meta as well, another open source project for uh, all our like uh, A-B testing. Those are like areas where we're exploring. And the idea is to triangulate. There was this article from, uh, I'm trying to remember the company, but uh, there was a really interesting article 
that was explaining how in this new post iOS 14 world, how you can start triangulating between your attribution modeling, uh, your mixed media modeling, and then your sort of more last touch, which is we all know obviously last touch is, is very biased, but triangulating your metrics based on this three model, this three approach can give you a good sense of the impact of your business. And especially for us, like we constantly try to identify like what's the impact of our awareness initiatives. And we're getting there. It's it's a very interesting, I think we could talk for hours on that. And I would love to bring also my data scientist at some point, maybe <laughs> that could talk more on that. But uh, no, it's a very interesting journey for us. Well, I think what we should do is we'll invite your data scientists and you on uh, one of our panel episodes, and we'll just have a whole episode about media mix modeling because I keep trying to teach people about it because multi-touch attribution is definitely, I remember when everybody's like, it's the holy grail, but it's like really not that accurate at the end of the day in most cases. So yeah, I think media mix modeling is where we're, we're headed. And it sounds like you're kind of starting that journey. So looks like we'll have something good to catch up on. All right, time to recap some of the takeaways from our conversation today. First, the numerous marketplaces, both virtual and physical, it can make it really tough for you to create like that seamless experience for your customers. Max's strategy is to achieve this by centralizing on as much of the data as he can. Remember, cross-functionality can't happen if different teams keep all of their data in silos. Max's approach involves collecting data in a data warehouse and connecting it to Fivetran, which brings all this data into BigQuery. Your stack may require different tools, but either way, you can reach out to me and I'll help you understand what you need to do. But once that data is structured in BigQuery and maybe DPT moves it around or maybe a Python script gives you a prediction, Max is then reverse ETLing that to reactivate it upstream for his omnichannel marketing strategy. Secondly, let's acknowledge that this stuff can get a little bit complicated and adding more tools only adds complexity. Remember, keep it simple, stupid, okay? KISS, K-I-S-S, keep it simple, stupid, check it out. When selecting new tools, it's important to consider the end user. Complex interfaces may be easy for the decision maker like myself, but remember, the average person is not an expert. They're not the subject matter expert. You're handing this off to an email marketer, a social media marketer, maybe a PPC marketer. And while they are subject matter experts in their platform, I have no idea how to use that platform. So I can't expect them to know how to use my platform. And that's why we have to make sure it's really good. Max emphasized the importance of making agility-informed decisions which led him to choose Sigma Computing as his BI tool because it was something for people to use. They need to be agile with the data they get. So you want to make sure adoption is really important when you're adding tools to your stack. Lastly, don't overlook the power of reverse ETL. Believe me, to stay ahead of the game, you've got to be immersing yourself in reverse ETL if you have the technical abilities. Data is not just about reporting anymore, it is about activation too. Like I said though, we have a deep dive into reverse ETL with Mario from FanDuel. It's one of the previous episodes, go check it out if you haven't already, it's absolutely amazing. That's it for today. Before you go, hit that subscribe button, share this with one of your friends and leave us a review. I need to know how we're doing. So I want to hear from you. I'll see you next week.